Welcome to Good News, being brought to you by Listening for Clues. We are Lauren Welch and John Shematek, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. We sure are. And today we have a very special guest, the Reverend Ariane Rice. Ariane is an ordained Episcopal priest, an engaging presenter, facilitator, and ACC-certified leadership coach. She works with individuals and groups to harness the power of emotional intelligence and cultivate capacities of spiritual leadership, that is, leading with discernment, presence, mindfulness, and compassionate self-examination. She is also a certified Daring Way facilitator, utilizing the methodology developed by Dr. Brene Brown for understanding the power of vulnerability and the necessity of cultivating shame resilience skills for adaptive leadership. For the past 12 years, Ariane has served the community of the Church of the Good Shepherd in Towson, Maryland as rector, and she is the board president of St. Luke's Youth Center, SLIC, a collaborative of West Baltimore families working together to provide youth with critical resources, life-enriching experiences, and a safety net of support. Welcome, Ariane. We're really thrilled to have you with us today. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's strange and humbling to hear one's bio read aloud. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extensive one. We're really excited to uh, hear more about you. It's a joy to have you with us today, Ariane. So tell us what inspired you to, to begin this journey uh, into podcasting and um, leadership development? Well, I guess the short answer in the, the big lane that the three of us share is Jesus. <laughs> and then there's, of course, a much longer and more complicated answer. So podcasting, I feel like I listened and was a consumer of podcasts long before there was even the word podcast. I remember singing with an opera company in Central Florida in, well, I'm not going to say the age, a long time ago, <laughs> and downloading on my little e-machine computer episodes of This American Life, which probably was one of the first podcasts, but it started as probably a lot of people listening know as a incredible and still thriving show on NPR of story sharing. And I loved listening to stories. It's where I discovered the writer David Sedaris, who's a pretty well-known humorist and essayist. And I just felt like when I listened in that intimate way to people sharing from the, their own lived experience, I always came away with something, even if their experience was so different than mine or in some ways similar. In some ways, I guess it was like having colleagues and friends around me when I had moved to this place that I lived in for a very short time, because at that time I was pursuing a very different vocation. So I think that's kind of when I started with podcasts and continued listening to them as a way of getting whatever I wanted to hear wherever I was. And then I would say many things happened. I went into the priesthood in 2003. I began um, my discernment for ordained ministry and started seminary in 2005. 
my first congregation was in St. Philip's Episcopal Church in Durham, North Carolina, which was a place I never thought I'd lived, you know, just never imagined being and fell in love with being in a parish. I actually started seminary kind of thinking I would go into academia. And then from St. Philip's came here to Baltimore because at the time I had a very definitive mindset around the path one was supposed to take in the career of being a priest. And the next step in that career, as I saw it, was to go from being an assistant at a larger church to being rector of maybe not so quite a big church to then go on to be rector of bigger and bigger churches. And I'm sure this sounds familiar to people hmm. who do what I do for a living. I no longer ascribe to that methodology, by the way. Life has taught me much wiser things. I always loved when I was an associate, probably a little more so than in my role as rector, being with adults in their formation process. I did that a lot at my seminary and field placement at St. Luke in the Fields in the West Village in Manhattan. And as an adult who kind of rediscovered Jesus through the Episcopal Church, I was raised Roman Catholic, for the most part, had a very positive experience in the Roman Catholic Church until just before I left. And to rediscover my faith through the Episcopal Church was a glorious adventure in some ways, like falling in love, falling in love with liturgy, falling in love with a way of thinking about God that was sort of new to me. I see you're nodding heads because I, I'm sure you share this sentiment. And so I always loved that aspect of being a priest, that you not only got to do your own deep dive, but then you got to journey with people and looking at their own life, reflecting on their own life. And the gospel, I would say, that really inspired me was sort of, it's one everybody knows, and we hear it in many different forms. It's when Jesus says, you know, before you take out the speck in your neighbor's eye, be sure you take a look at that log in your own eye. And I think when you go into ordained ministry, there's an invitation to do some real self-examination as to why you are called. That word is, you know, very full of meaning and association. We, we leave it for religious folks, and it's not just for religious folks by any means. It has to do with our passions, what helps us come alive, what makes us feel like we were born to do. But why? <laughs> why, why do you feel called to do that? And I took advantage of classes at Union Seminary with Ann Ulanoff in particular, who's a pretty famous Jungian psychoanalyst and writer. I began my own therapeutic work because I thought it was very important for clergy to do self-examination if you're going to be with people, particularly in crises. Anyway, all of that was a part of my call to really wanting to be with adults in their own spiritual growth. So. To get back to that question around leadership development, <laughs> I was rector. I mean, everybody's a leader, I kind of think. We all lead in different capacities, but we're all leaders in some way. Rector, you're in a kind of obvious leadership role. And in my third year here, I had a pretty devastating year because of a couple of things that happened in my life, um, two of which were exceedingly unanticipated. One was I began process to become separated and I'm now divorced from my first husband. And my sister ended her life two months after I announced that to the congregation. And I'm the oldest of three. 
And it was both. My sister struggled with mental illness for a very long time and addiction. And so it's going to take me a minute because when I kind of mm. bring it up, it's close. So it was two very big endings in a way that was very heart <laughs> rendering. And at my church that year, we had a series of tragedies, just one after the other. We had a vestry member who was hit by a wave in Ocean City. His neck was broken. I drove into Salisbury to be with their family as we ended the life-sustaining treatment. We had another member of the congregation who was only in his uh, late 30s. He ended his life four months later. My former father-in-law was given a diagnosis of esophageal cancer and died within two months. And so attending a funeral as a not quite divorced, but definitely separated person. It was, mm. I mean, it was, and, and that wasn't all of it. And then besides there were the regular funerals and, and all of that culminated in one of the most tragic events that we collectively have lived through in this diocese, which was, I was part of the search committee that calls Heather Cook. Uh. So it was a very dark year <laughs> and podcasts, believe it or not, they kind of like saved my life. I, I don't know how else to say when I had a day off and I'm, I'm pretty good about making sure I keep my day off. I would just spend hours walking and listening to a podcast. The intimacy of being with people who open their hearts, shared their journeys, what gave them strength when they felt the way I did, even though their circumstances were so different. It was very sustaining and I loved the format of it. I, I certainly love reading and there's preaching as a way that people take things in and it's a way we take things in as preachers in order to deliver a sermon. But there, there's just something about podcasts. I don't know. It's, it's an intimate conversation that you get to just sit and listen to. You don't have to participate in it. And yet you get all the benefits of really being in a room with people. So I loved it and it was life-sustaining. And then kind of, I would say without a doubt, what really pulled me out of that year into sort of seeing life would be beginning again was number one, I will say the support of my congregation. They were, they were incredibly supportive people. I've been here a while and have deep relationships and love for the people here. So that would be number one. Number two would be my therapist. I'm a big believer in therapy, especially when we're going through difficult times. We need a skilled professional to, to walk with us. Spiritual director, of course. The Episcopal Diocese of Texas issued a call to the entire church that they would be offering a Daring Way training for any clergy in the Episcopal Church that wanted a subsidized week of learning to be certified in the Daring Way. I hadn't actually read Brene Brown's books at that point, but I had heard her on a podcast with Krista Tippett. And I must have listened to that podcast 50 times. And I, I just could not believe how, not only did I feel very akin to what she was saying, like it resonated for me, it resonated with all my theology, with everything I thought about Jesus and vulnerability and walking the way of the cross and meeting people where they are and saying time and time again, whatever you're ashamed of, nope, 
<laughs> it's, you know, God loves you. And I'm here to tell you there is no shame because there, there just doesn't exist in the giant capacity of God that we can't completely conceptualize. So I, I signed right up and spent a week in Texas that was transformative. Still, you know, colleagues and friends with some of the people who went through that training with me, almost all of whom I know have utilized that training in a vocational professional capacity. And kudos to Brene Brown and the Daring Way organization. I don't know that I've ever really experienced such incredible adult formation and training and a real freedom of saying, we are teaching you this because we want you to utilize it in your field as a caring professional. I was with therapists and counselors. I came back on fire with the Daring Way. And I will say, I think I made a bit of a mistake by doing what some of us do sometimes when we get really excited about learn. We want everybody to learn it and do it with us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I did that and, you know, live and learn. <laughs> but I did find ways at church, but also well for the journey, which is a nonprofit here in Baltimore, Maryland. Maybe if Hudson is the founder of it. It's been in operation over 20 years, and she is also a parishioner at Church of the Good Shepherd. And they offer classes and opportunities for adults who are spiritually curious in a lot of different capacities to, you know, seek out a class or a course. So I did some book studies on Brene Brown and I offered some of the intensives workshops. And then this is like the longest answer to a question I've ever given. In my life. <laughs> uh, then fade out, fade in. I was co-facilitating with a colleague here in Baltimore and he was, he had just left becoming a lawyer, a very high level partner at a law firm and was going into leadership coaching. And he kept saying to me, you need to do this. You are going to love this. I'm in this Georgetown program for transformational leadership and you're going to love it. I didn't really know what coaching was. I thought coaching was more what is considered consulting or advising or mentoring. You know, you come to me with a problem and I help you fix it. And that's not what coaching is. Coaching is learning how to empower individuals to cultivate capacities within themselves that they want to grow because typically they've reached a point in their career where they can do things expertly. And yet there's a sense of being unfulfilled or there's a sense of maybe being asked to move into a leadership role and they're spending all their time with the busy work because they feel, we feel really good when we do a lot of busy work, but how do I do those other things that are about deep work, right? That's the real essence of leadership. So I took his word for it and applied and was accepted into the program. And then COVID happened. And mm -hmm. what was supposed to be an in-person learning experience every month for two days in DC turned into an online experience. At first I was of course really disappointed, but number one, I do not think I would have been able to manage the in-person class because of commuting. I think it would have been too much. Number two, that time and being online with people, just like we are right here and now, I think you just like in podcasting, create that intimate space. You have an intimate space in video communication. That's kind of amazing. Uh, other coaches say like, you know, do you miss coaching in person or if people had started out their coaching and, and they did it in person, I've never coached people in person. It's always mm -hmm. been virtually. And I think it's my preferred way of, of coaching because there's something just intimate about, I get to stay in my space and yet we get to create a space together, right? 
like liturgy, we are creating something. And I think that's very powerful. So I took the program and, and kind of learned what coaching was as I did the program. And again, it aligned with the shame resilience skills I learned in Brene Brown. And on the very first day, we are being told, you know, this program is not about building your competencies. It's about building your capacities, mindfulness, discernment, hmm. presence. And there was a Presbyterian pastor in my cohort as well. We were one, there was, I think, three clergy in a cohort of very accomplished corporate professionals. It was probably the most intimidating experience I'd had in a long time. And I chat boxed him or did the chat on Zoom and was like, wait a minute. Like, this was scary stuff, right? Like, <laughs> what's happening? What and are we doing here? <laughs> and that's what it is. It, it really is learning how to have intentional conversations like on a podcast, an intentional conversation with a person to help them discover within themselves their own wisdom, their own path forward, the resources that are available to themselves, both from within and without, the questions they might be afraid to pose because the answers are opening up new possibilities. You see how all of this aligns with, see, all things are being made new, right? Like mm. it's, it's mm. all... It just all so beautifully woven together for me as a faith-based professional. I, I don't do coaching as a priest, right? I, that's that's a separate. It's separate, but of course, people know I'm a priest. It's it's on my website, and people want to talk about it. You know, we we want to talk about the things that have no answers, and part of those conversations fall under the category of faith and spirituality. And I'm sure you, like me, have not met someone that does not have a faith story from their childhood, mm. from their family, sometimes wonderful, sometimes not so wonderful, sometimes, you know, really shaming, sometimes really empowering, and sometimes something in between. So people appreciate, I think, also sometimes talking to a person who's a priest, but is a person first. <laughs> so that is the what 20 minute answer to... <laughs> you know you know what i just loved about your answer arianne is that it's so beautifully integrated all of these terrible tragedies that happened in your life and i thought gosh i hope we're heading towards some resurrection and it, yeah. and we did uh, we but did. also you know uh, the role of podcasting and how this how your spiritual life is integrated to to all of it and your call to being a priest and how unique that is and how how uh, kind of wonderful that is you do have a podcast yourself okay. are you on hi you're on hiatus at the moment on i am hiatus? i just did my first recording last week oh, for great. Um, season two and uh, i get to interview our new bishop elect bishop elect uh tomorrow so I'm excited oh fantastic so i gotta tell you Bishop-elect Carrie Schofield Broadbent is the reason that I contacted you. I was talking with her as I'm a co-chair of the Commission on Ministry here and talking about some things, getting to know each other. And I said, you know, Lauren and I do this podcast. She said, do you know Arianne Rice? And I said, well, not really. So that's why we're here today. But I got to tell you, I want to kind of get back to your podcast because I'm so glad it's, I knew it was just, you kind of were right around Easter of this year back in, uh -huh. April and it's now mid-August and I thought 
she's coming back. He's, you promised you'd be back, and I'm thrilled. Oh, yeah. I'm um, great. And so your podcast is uh, Feeling Beings Who Think. That's the name of it, right? Now, yeah. So I want to hear a little bit more about that, but I also wanted to tell you that I happened to listen to your last one that got posted when you spoke with your colleague and friend, the very Reverend Jonah Kendall. When you mentioned intimacy and deep, deep stuff that comes out in those, I mean, as I was listening to his story and your part in it as well, this amazing and horrific loss that he and his wife experienced with a stillborn baby, I mean, like everybody who listens, who really listens, how can you not have tears in that? Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is, this is intimacy. Uh, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about feeling beings who think and yeah. how that's all working for you and for your listeners? Sure. So, you know, having loved podcasts and kind of wanting to do it and you know, there's this weird thing. Again, I'm sure you too can relate to it. It's like you want to share something with the world that's a part of you, and you also don't want to look like you're so filled with yourself that all you want to do is share your writing and your work. But, you know, one of the things that I don't think you realize when you go into the church as a profession is that, you know, our vocational life is not completely fulfilled with our professional identity, right? So, my professional identity is that I am a rector of the Church of the Good Shepherd, and that that's a very specific job. You know, there, there's there's things I have to do as as director, but all the spiritual pursuits and all the vocational charisms that I feel called to explore, I want to also explore in the world, and I, I like having a foot sort of in the church and also in the world. And the podcast was one way I thought I could do that. I struggled with blog writing and I just thought, you know what? I just think I'm going to try. So I ordered a microphone and it, you know, I stared at it for like six months. Yeah. You just don't even know. And then you just start, you know, and I knew I wanted to talk to working in the church and I'm blown away by the support and wisdom of my friends and colleagues, you know, and they've all done significant work. They're not famous authors, all of them, but they're pretty incredible people. And I've certainly had some amazing experiences and profound life-changing experiences with some of them because of our time together. So, so I just started and I just started booking people and I just used Zoom and I, all of a sudden it was just happening. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And then you know, you struggle with the title. What do you call it? And you Google 5,000 things that come to mind and they're, oh, that's already a title. And then a really good friend of mine, she does crafts and she engraves like beautiful handwritten things on metal. And she once wanted to send me a thank you. And she's like, what's one of your favorite Brene Brown sayings? And I said, it's, we want to believe we are thinking beings who sometimes feel, but the truth is we are feeling beings who sometimes think. And not always well. <laughs> and it's that's a core belief of mine. You know, just a moment ago, I'm telling you a very personal story. And when I call to mind my sister, it brings up emotions. How could it not? And I want to believe I've cultivated the emotional intelligence to allow myself to feel that without feeling ashamed. And then to pull myself back into the conversation in a way that we can continue. And I think how we feel 
determines and dictates and guides what we say, what we do, the narrative we start creating in our head because we are creating those narratives all the time. And I really wanted to talk with people about that because I wanted to talk with them about their life story. And I knew that once somebody started talking to me about their life in some capacity, I would know, I would start asking questions because again, coaching has really helped me strengthen curiosity. And, and how do you ask somebody a powerful question, a question that leads to more and not just an answer, right? So that's why it's called feeling beings who think. I'm actually working with somebody who thinks that maybe I should change the name, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Right now, I'm just, I'm going with it. I'm going to. I'm going to give myself a little more time. I was releasing an episode every week and I released 32 in season one and I'm using Zoom and using it, doing it myself. So it was kind of consuming my weekends and I decided I took just, and that's the thing with podcasting, right? You can put out as much content as you want. Like the only yeah. thing that prohibits the content is how much time you have to do it. Yeah. So I, I realized I needed to pull back. And, and the Holy Spirit just lined everything up, right? Like I just had the guests and, and then it all of a sudden came to a conclusion. I was like, okay, I'm going to pause. Didn't know how long, but I needed the summer. And now I'm excited to get started again. I have um, some conversations scheduled and I'm eager. Fantastic. Will it be weekly or less often? I don't think so. I think it's going to be bi-weekly or it may even be like, I'm going to release it when it's released and that's when it's released. <laughs> I, I want to try and, and use my own self-compassion muscle, which constantly needs to be stretched <laughs> to, because I'm the only one putting any limits on it. I'll, I'll call my friend and be, you know, upset about something. And he's like, Arian, this is you. It's like, you're the boss, you're the worker. You're just, so just do what's best for you. And it's supposed to be fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. And we always have to use discernment. I mean, you, you help others learn how to discern, but we're continually learning to discern ourselves, too. Amen. And, and, and to be good to ourselves. And John and I have said, we'll do this as long as we're having fun. Yes, that's a, that's a very good goal. <laughs> mm -hmm. Has there been anything in all this that truly surprised you? Honestly, coaching was a huge surprise. I'm a person that sometimes has felt it's my job to fix things. Mm. Uh, I do. I certainly think it's tied into why I do what I do for a living as a priest. And learning to be a coach was having to stop doing that. I mean, it truly being a facilitator, you don't do it either. I think truly actually being a mature human being, you realize what's mine to do and what's not mine to do. And a lot of the time that other people's issues are not mine to do, or certain situations aren't all mine to do. I need, I need help doing them. I've learned a lot of that from Slick, by the way, um, when you brought up St. Luke's Youth Center, um, which is also, I, I do want to talk about that a little bit. It's just been sure. one of the most phenomenal aspects of my ministry. So coaching, I remember my advisor in the program, she was like, you're going to have a really hard time with this. She's like, because you're an expert in things. You know how I said, like, I came back from Daring Way and wanted to make everybody, like, fall in love with Renee Brown. Just because I think something should be a certain way or done a certain way does not mean the whole world thinks it should be done that way. And just because somebody's asking for help or 
advice, sometimes maybe I think the better thing you can do is offer back another question. Like I'm sure you share with me, sometimes the most fun part about preaching is to look at everybody and say, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesus is always doing that. Well, what do you think? And it's a really empowering statement and an opening that you can give people. And when I've been coached, it's amazing sometimes the answers that are there for you. And, you know, I said earlier, the resources to realize it's okay to find the people who you need in certain situations to support, guide, help, and learn how to get better at asking for, for what you need. That's been one of the surprising things about coaching is, is growing in my ability to empower people as opposed to uh, try and feel like it's my responsibility to do the work. And, and I will say some people, they're not quite ready for that. So, some people come into leadership coaching, that type of coaching, and they, they want more of a training type of thing, which is great because coaching requires sort of seeing it's, it's about more than one fix or, or, you know, it's not, it's not one job that's going to make everything okay. It's not one thing in the future that's going to fix everything. It's what I, can I do right now to start making small changes that open up new perspectives and ways of taking in what's happening and, and making maybe different choices than I'm just accustomed to making all the time. You're helping people to go deeper. Well, part of it is the, I think official term is cognitive reframing. So Thank you. Yeah. if you explain a situation to me, you know, let's say, oh my gosh, John came into the studio today and he was really gruff. And I know yesterday I told him that I thought that question he asked so-and-so <laughs> now I'm wondering, is he mad or I can just ask you a bunch of questions about that, that pretty quickly you could see like, well, maybe, but that's an assumption. And maybe your assumption or assessment of the situation isn't actually what's happening. So how else might we reframe the story you're making up in your head hmm. and figure out what you might do to learn more about the situation and figure it out? Do you need to figure it out? You know, yada, yada, yada. And lots of times, you know, all of us know what it is to be in jobs. And the people around us, if all of them could change, if all of them could do things our way, if everybody in our pews would just do everything we said, <laughs> we would be able to all have thriving churches. If all of them just came to church more, you get what I'm saying? So I can choose to see the world that way. I can choose to live that way. Or I can choose to look at myself, my patterns, my way of taking in information, and then how I'm interpreting it. And maybe I can make some changes. It's about, it's about being content. I, I think... All of us want to be content and happy in our work and our love. We, we want to be feeling good. <laughs> good news. We want it. <laughs> this is good news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it. So, Ariane, I'm sure that some of our uh, viewers and listeners would like to find ways to get in touch with you, whether it's about your work at Good Shepherd, or I know you want to talk about Slick, so we'll get back to that. But at this at this moment, are there are the people who want to catch your podcast or learn more about how you pr provide the sure. leadership? coaching yeah. how can they find you so i have a website arianrice.com and everything is there the podcast which is also you know on all the platforms and there's forms that people can get in touch with me if they want to work with me or just want to ask questions about what working with me or me with a group and all of that is there 
Perfect. We'll have that uh, link in the uh, show notes for people who aren't watching and maybe missed it in in hearing it. So definitely, that's that's great. I love your I love your website. And Alec, you had some. There's a part of it. Would it I think you said it. It's work with me. How can we work together? I love that. That's great. That's really. And, and obviously, if you're looking for a great Episcopal church and you live in Baltimore, or you want to find it online, it's Church of the Good Shepherd. We have our YouTube channel like everybody else now. And, you know, we're here on Sundays. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll definitely uh, put the link for Good Shepherd uh, in the show notes as well. We, uh, Yeah. Okay. It's a great church. Got a lot of them in Baltimore, but that certainly is one of the great ones for sure. I, Thank you. I agree. Yeah. So before we leave, Arianne, uh, you wanted to uh, talk about your work with Slick. Oh, yes. Thank you. So St. Luke's Youth Center, and I hope people go and listen to the conversation with Amanda Talbot, who is a phenomenal human being who truly lives things into being. She just doesn't think and talk. She creates and pulls people together in ways that are unbelievable. And I believe very much shaped by her late father, the Reverend Van Gardner, who I know served as Dean of the Cathedral for over 20 years. And I had the good fortune of being connected with him when I first arrived in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And he brought some clergy to St. Luke's church to gather us in the undercroft and say there was um, an after-school thing happening at this church, but the building, you know, was almost not inhabitable back then. Massive building in West Baltimore. And could we help? And instantly, I just saw an opportunity for Church of the Good Shepherd community to be connected with a very different community than the community we're a part of every day. This church is a suburban church in a beautiful part of Baltimore County. All my ministry experience prior to coming here were was a more urban environment. And I just thought this was an opportunity for us to strengthen relationship building and mutual ministry. And so we started there in 2012 or 13. And, you know, here I am now in 2023, president of the board of a nonprofit that is slick, was going through the whole iteration of that, which should be listened to on the episode with Amanda. Was just one of, you know, those experiences, Lauren and John, where it's like you, you preach about how God does amazing things and then you walk away and you're like, yeah. You know, that it's true, but then like you experience it in real time in some ministry that you cannot believe has become what it's become. Like you just, the things that happen, they don't make sense. They, they couldn't have been orchestrated. And you gather in these moments when Slick has camp imagination, as we did a couple of weeks ago, or when you're just at the after school program and you're just there and you're like, holy not a word I would say on the podcast with a caller on. How is it possible that this is happening? And the thing I, I really want to say, especially for, for, for leaders and churches in the Baltimore area, this has been a huge gift to Church of the Good Shepherd. Our community has been enriched in this ministry we, when we did camp, I saw parishioners volunteering at camp that I haven't seen on Sunday and since COVID, you know, and they might be online, maybe but patterns change, you know, you guys know the story, but it's, it's, it brings life to the community and it brings, we, we are now forming a relationship with slick, you know, that's, that's this, like my hands coming together. It's co-equal. It's as of course we still 
you know, recognize that that's just one way we participate in reparative justice. It just, it is. It's one way we take what we learned in sacred ground and bring it into our real lives. So I just, I would, I encourage congregations to just start partnerships with Slick because it's just, and it's incredible watching these kids and, you know, just watching them grow and being with them. And it's just awesome. It's really life-giving. Wow. Yeah. So this is, this is good news becoming great news, as I yes. keep saying yeah. <laughs> over yes. and over. So Ariane, I, I want to thank you. Uh, actually, I want to thank Bishop Elect, or she'll be Bishop Carey by the time we're, this is on the uh-huh. air, for bringing us together. But I, I so much appreciate your time with us today and getting to know you and, and hearing all about the, your ministry and, and your podcast. This has been a real gift. I feel like we've been on holy ground together. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. It's been a real treat for me. So I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. It's It's been a joy. And John and I also want to thank all those who are watching and listening with us today. We cannot do this without your participation. So please take a moment to comment, like, or share on all your social media platforms. This will help us spread the good news to even more people. And again, thank you for the gift of your time with us today. Until next time, peace and blessings. Good News is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.